Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for what the hell day is the 26th of October, 2022. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. We uh, have a lot going on. Don't forget to go to uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com to check out everything that is going on and enter the contest. Support the program. Much, much appreciated this week. Who the hell is it? It is, uh, where are those books? There they are. It is Michelle Malkin versus Judge Janine. Autographed books win one of them. Somebody will. Why not you? Huh? People set money on fire in the lottery all the time. Your odds of this are much better than winning the lottery. So check it out and support the show if you please. Now let's get on with the program. There is a lot going on. There's a bunch of stuff happening <laughs> It's a big debate day. We'll have it all on the show tomorrow. But tonight, the big debate up in Pennsylvania between Frankenstein and Dr. Oz. Now, look, I I understand why Dr. Oz isn't very popular. He hasn't lived in the state all that long, for one thing. And he's, you know, a TV doctor. One thing about people on TV is they don't really inspire indifference. If you know about them... You either like them or you don't like them. What you don't realize is that most of the time the image that they're projecting is fake. Not always, but most of the time. I can tell you that uh, Tucker Carlson is exactly the same way he is on television as he is off television. It's refreshing. It's also wildly rare. I haven't really met anybody else. Uh, No, I haven't met anybody else who's that way who's 100% that way. They're varying degrees, but most of them understand that they've got to be liked. Dr. Oz, I don't know. I don't never met Dr. Oz. I never really even watched Dr. Oz, so it just wasn't daytime TV. Doctors, once they stopped throwing chairs and beating the hell out of each other on Jerry Springer, once they... Jerry Springer used to be a blast. I'm going to have to explain to my kids how much fun Jerry Springer's show was, but there was a time when... People used to beat the hell out of each other then, you know, on the show. Then they started cutting away, cutting away from it. Oh, here comes, there's a guy from the audience charging up there. And then they cut away to like somebody standing in the audience cheering. That became boring. And of course, it was wildly fake on top of it. So there's that. So, you know, Dr. Oz kind of gets, I think, unfairly lumped in with, uh, the Jerry Springers of the world. But they all kind of did the same sort of Maury Povich thing. It's just a matter of whether or not they turned the dial up over 10 to 11 or turned the dial down. I can understand not liking that, but I don't understand looking at Fetterman and going, that's that's what we need. What we really need is to let people out of prison. What we really need is to cut the prison population by a third. Now, I would say that we need to increase the prison population by a third. Actually, no, that'd be arbitrary. We need to increase the prison population by however many people we need to increase the prison population by because they broke the law. That's it. The law is the law. You break the law, you take the consequences of the law, period, end of story. That should be 
the way things work. So often it is not. Sadly, um, more often than not, it is not. In fact, we have you know example after example of people not wanting to punish criminals all across the country. That has detrimental um, impacts on society. People really do get murdered by people who were let out of prison. If the only thing you can be held for is ca- for cash bail is or without bail is murder or attempted murder and you got somebody beating holy hell out of somebody else and well no it's it's temp- it's a uh, it's simple assault. Well, they let them out before the uh, ink is dry on their fingerprints and then they go back and finish the job or they go back and beat the hell out of somebody. For whatever reason, you just go, oh, well, that's that's how you do it. No, no, no. That's a direct responsibility for the uh, for the actions of a politician. Blood, blood should be on the hands of those politicians, like Fetterman, who wants to get one-third of the people in prison in Pennsylvania out of prison. Even first-degree murderers. Oh, no. His famous quote, <laughs> it's so stupid. Is and he's repeated it. It's not like it was just a one-time thing, and he thought about it, and then he thought better about it, and never repeated it. No, he said it multiple times. Well, do you believe that Red in Shawshank Redemption should die in prison? Red is the character played by Morgan Freeman. Do you think he's sh- or do you think he should get out and get a second chance? No, he should die in prison. He murdered three people. For insurance money, he murdered his wife for insurance money. He, uh, the next door neighbor and their baby from next door were collateral damage. They just happened to die because they were in the car that Red cut the brake lines on. Doesn't matter that he's in prison and being super cool to everybody. And wow, he's the guy who can get stuff for you. And ah, oh, if you can secure things for prisoners, you ought to be free. What kind of me- first of all, what's wrong with somebody who goes? The example I've come up with in the real world is from fiction. Like that should be the first first warning shot of that somebody's not particularly stable. That the best you can come up with is fiction. But then you've got uh, the idea that a triple murderer deserves mercy, deserves a second chance. Well, he shouldn't have to die. But look, 20 years is enough. Uh, three lives, 20 years each, but served concurrently out in 10 for good behavior. And then you get a whole bunch of people who are out there kind of doing the slide roll math going, might be worth it to kill this person who annoys me. When you start decriminalizing murder, we're in real trouble. We've already sort of decriminalized everything else. Simple assault, resisting arrest. What do you see? You see people fighting police officers. Why? Because in a lot of Democrat jurisdictions, the penalty for fighting with a police officer who's trying to arrest you is usually an apology from the prosecutor. Sorry. Hope they didn't hurt you too bad. We'll get you out of here as quickly as possible. When you start decriminalizing various crimes, what do you do? You get more of it. Look at the places that have legalized weed. And here in Maryland, we're going to soon decriminalize marijuana, but you can just look to Colorado. You can look to look to Oregon, where they have decriminalized all drugs. The streets of Portland are a mess. Oh, you know, people are not dying from overdoses, even though they are. It's weird. It was supposed to be 
you know, the people who sit there and insist, look, the drug war has failed. The drug war has failed. Have ended the drug war in certain places. And what happens? The death count has gone up significantly. 100,000 people died of overdoses last year. 100,000. It's a new record. Congratulations, Joe Biden. You and Kamala Harris are historic. That's what happens when you don't protect the southern border and you let poison across the southern border. But up in Portland, up in Oregon, there are deaths all over the place. Oh, we're supposed to have safe injection sites for what? So when you do overdose, because you will overdose, you can get the shot that's supposedly to bring you back. Oh, that's wonderful. Isn't that wonderful? Now there's no consequence. Why not? Hey, I've always wanted to try heroin. I'm going to go to one of those injection spots and go to town. You know what? I like it. I'm going to start going back. And then you're hooked. But it's all nice and legal, so there's no social stigma attached to it. Congratulations, Democrats. And guess what happens? Crime goes up accordingly. Why? Because it's kind of hard. The only successful, and by successful I mean people who weren't having to commit crimes. Or when I remember when uh, what was name? Jerry Garcia died. And he, you know, he was a heroin addict, longtime heroin addict. And I said to my friend, Jeff, who used to travel the country to follow the Grateful Dead, I said, dude, he's, you know, died young. He was actually kind of young. I think he was in his 50s, uh, maybe in his early 60s. He looked like hell, looked a lot older because that's what drug abuse does to you. And I said, he's the only fat heroin addict I've ever seen in my life because most heroin addicts are pretty skinny. And I always thought that it was because the drugs sort of increased your metabolism or whatever. And my friend Jeff goes, no, well, he was fat because he never had to choose. I said, what do you mean? He said, never had to choose between food and drugs. He hadn't always had enough money that he didn't have to sit there and choose. People are skinny with heroin because they have to go, well, do I want a sandwich or do I want to get high? And they always want to get high. Just like you've got these people who are like, uh, you know, meth doesn't necessarily rot your teeth but when you're smoking meth all the time oral hygiene isn't a super priority meth doesn't help but oral hygiene isn't a super priority just something to think about <laughs> i don't know but you know the the guy up in pennsylvania wants to decriminalize crime decriminalize crime and oh by the way speaking of crime we did get some news today on the crime front Brittany Griner, the uh, WNBA player who's being held in Moscow for possession of marijuana or uh, for THC cartridges or whatever. She admitted she did it. She did. She had an appeal. And her sentence was upheld in the Russian court. And you're sitting, I was sitting there and I'm going, how the hell, what do you mean the uh, thing was upheld? She confessed. She confessed. Remember, Joe Biden wasn't going to rest until she was out of prison. She's still in prison. So congratulations, Uncle Joe. But I will be watching with keen interest. The uh, I haven't watched all of any of the debates so far, although today we've got a bunch of clips from the Florida governor's debate. But the uh, debate up in Pennsylvania, I want to see how that works out. I imagine Fetterman will do better than expected because how could he not? But there's also the fact that I suspect that um, on substance, maybe a whole bunch of people in Pennsylvania will hear for the first time, depending on the questions and depending on how well Dr. Oz makes it an issue. We'll be hearing for the first time Fetterman's opinions 
on things like criminal justice or they call it criminal justice reform. It's, it's really letting people out of prison. If I had my biggest problem with the Trump administration, aside from personnel and uh, personality issues, was the criminal justice reform. I don't think we need to get more people out of prison. We need to impress upon more people, impress upon everybody that if you break the law, you're going to end up in prison. So therefore, the way to avoid ending up in prison is not to sit around and hope that they decriminalize what lawbreaking you engage in, but to not engage in the lawbreaking to begin with. So we look north to Pennsylvania with keen interest tonight. So as we shift our focus down to Florida from north, you say, well, up in the north, Fetterman, Fetterman's taking a risk by debating because he's not a very bright man, and he's got uh, issues from his stroke. I'm trying to think of the nicest way to put that. He's got issues from his stroke. When you go down to Florida, you've got Ron DeSantis, who is, uh, by all accounts, well ahead. Not a knockout in the second round ahead, according to the polls anyway, if you believe the polls, but ahead. He's got things to lose, but he could also, in a good debate performance, put it away. Now, I think that the, I think he did have that performance. I also think he really put it away. It just wasn't captured in the polling with his handling of the hurricane. When you can put bridges back up even temporarily in three days so people aren't stranded on islands. That's pretty damned amazing. And it really, it shows the, uh, it shows the power of the private sector to be able to do that when the government gets the hell out of the way. And in government, you've got to have the wherewithal and a leader who says, you know what, we're going to, what we're going to do, the best thing we can do is not government, but get government out of the way. Government can certainly help and do logistics and everything, but for the most part, government is in the way of a lot of progress. I know Democrats love that word and they think they own that word, but think about the things that have been done in this country in the last hundred years. The developments, the advances, the, the technology, those were done in the private sector. Because of the profit motive. Government has no profit motive. So they don't really care. A bureaucrat whose life exists to enforce some regulation you never heard of isn't going to go, you know what, the best thing to do is to get rid of this regulation nobody's ever heard of that hinders a lot of the... That would be the best thing. The way we can help the most people is to get rid of what is the sole reason for my job. Nobody's going to do that. It's never going to happen. But once somebody does do that and wipe things away, things can get done rather quickly in the private sector. Those bridges that they put up in Florida in a matter of days are still standing. They're still standing. They're temporary bridges. They're working on the permanent bridges. But now those people who lived on Sanibel Island can get off Sanibel Island, can go get food can then go back and try and salvage what they can from their houses or supervise whatever stage they're at in the recovery effort. Otherwise, the alternative is, well, you've got to be at the mercy of somebody with a boat willing to take you over there. And uh, good luck. Good luck getting back and forth. So DeSantis should be doing well. You have all these Democrats across the country. There's one Republican that I know of 
who has said no to debates. That's Marjorie Taylor Greene. She lives in a, and represents a deep red district, so she's got the luxury of being able to say, I don't want to do this, and uh, to hell with it. Plus, when you recognize that for an hour, hour and a half, it's just going to be an unrelenting attack on you by both your opponent and the so-called journalist conducting the thing, you realize there's a point of diminishing returns and you're just not going to, it's not worth it to go and participate in a debate like that, especially when you're going to win already. But elsewhere in the country, I mean, the, the Fetterman debate tonight against Dr. Oz was pulling teeth. There were proposals for upwards of five debates. You've got a lieutenant governor with not much of a record, and the record, to the extent that it exists, is a record of failure as the mayor of a city that he claims to have rebounded that, in fact, is much worse off since he was mayor, and as lieutenant governor. What the hell does a lieutenant governor do aside from sit on the parole board and help release violent criminals? And so, you know, a lot of debates would have helped Dr. Oz highlight that because the media sure as hell isn't going to point that out. So Fetterman's campaign was already against the concept of debates before he had a stroke. If you look at the debate that he participated in for the Democratic primary, he was awful in it. One of the three candidates, I don't know who, one was Connor Lamb, the other was Fetterman, and the other was a young black guy who just hammered Fetterman about all of his failures, his soft on crime, everything. And Fetterman just kind of stood there and wouldn't even look at the guy. Wouldn't even look. You'd think when somebody's talking about you or to you, you look at them. That's the way a normal human being looks. But this Frankenstein with Voldemort growing off the back of his head looked straight ahead in a suit. God, the guy does not handle wearing a suit well. I guess I can agree with that. I don't like wearing a suit either, but... He's sitting there staring straight ahead, squinting, kind of looking confused and pretending like this annoying black man next to him isn't talking. But he's supposed to be the super, uber progressive. It's weird because these Democrats always pretend that they know what's best for minorities. They know look at And then when they have a chance to talk to one, they go, oh, I don't want to talk to that guy. He's a minority. Look at him. I know what he thinks. He's a, I'm a Democrat. I know what he thinks. I don't need to hear him. It's wildly racist. But you can see why Fetterman didn't want to debate Oz to begin with. And now, I mean, he had a stroke before then, but now they've only agreed to one. Tonight's stakes are big. Down in Florida, DeSantis really didn't need to debate. DeSantis had the perfect out for any debate. And look, I'm too busy being governor. I'm too busy running around and helping rebuild after Hurricane Ian. I think that's the name. And people wouldn't, Charlie Crist would have whined and complained about it, but, you know, tough. That's what Charlie Crist kind of does. But DeSantis didn't. He showed up. And boy, did he show up. The uh, former governor, Ron DeSantis, that's the thing about DeSantis, or, uh, Charlie Crist, he was governor of Florida, and then he was he was a Republican governor of Florida. Then he was a candidate for Senate for uh, the Republicans, and he lost. At which point, he, dis- he lost to Marco Rubio. At which point, he became a Democrat. Why? Because he's an opportunist. He doesn't really believe in anything. Beware any political hack who changes parties 
that way in those circumstances. And, you know, if the party somehow comes out with a radical change of, of opinion on things in their platform, then sure, yeah, you go, wait, this is beyond the pale. They're calling for the destruction of Canada. I cannot in good conscience be a party to the destruction of Canada. Therefore, I, uh, I have to leave this party. That's one thing. That's not what went on. The Republican Party changed nothing. Charlie Crist changed everything. He said, I can't get elected as a Republican because I was a subpar governor. And I just want a real, I don't want a real job. I want a political job. He's got more money and knows what to do with. So he just kind of lollygags and, and messes around and, and floats through life. And so he switched parties. And what's amazing is Democrats said, oh, thank God Charlie Chris is here. And they elected him to the House of Representatives. Then he won again for re-election. Then he decided he wanted to be governor. He finally resigned not that long ago. One of the things that DeSantis hit him on, he blasted Charlie Crist for showing up only 14 days this year. 14 days actually doing his job. Now, he resigned, I think, two months ago from the House of Representatives. So that means it was over the summer. You're looking at six months of job that he showed up for 14 days over. Listen to Ron DeSantis blast him. Uh, Charlie Chris for only showing up for 14 days. Now, Charlie Chris had no comeback for this because it's it's true. You know how many times people show up. Now, the reason I'll tell you the reason for it on the other side of it. The Biden administration reversed almost every policy that was in place, and they opened the floodgates. That's why we have the problem. It's not from some phantom piece of legislation. And, you know, I hear Charlie Chris talking about some of this other stuff. You know, he as a congressman made $174,000 a year. You know how many days he showed up to work in Washington, D.C. this year? 14 days. Imagine that deal for you. You show up 14 days and you make over 100 grand. That's the type of That's effort this guy hurt. puts in actually doing his job. 14 days. Now, why? How could anybody get away? Well, first of all, there is no attendance requirement. That's the thing about being a member of Congress. That's the thing about being a politician is you don't really have to do the job. John Fetterman in Pennsylvania didn't do his job. One third of the time, his schedule had nothing on it. And they can't find records that he actually showed up to work. One third of the time. Could you imagine? Paid $150,000. You don't have to show up. It's on the honor system. And when he did show up, the most pressing issue that he faced was presiding over the state Senate in Pennsylvania. And that was a four to five hour gig. So when he did show up, he, he worked like half a day. Charlie Crist didn't have to show up because Democrats, Nancy Pelosi allowed proxy voting. Nancy Pelosi allowed voting, uh, absentee voting. So these people don't have to show. Most of the members of Congress that you see, AOC, barely shows up to work. And you're sitting there going, well, wait, how, why? What? COVID. It's all COVID. Nancy Pelosi has extended the COVID emergency in the House of Representatives through the end of the year. Are you able to work from home at your leisure all the time? No. Probably not. Your boss probably expects you to show up to work. Most people's bosses do if that's the job, especially when your job theoretically is to, I don't know, negotiate, 
to work together to build consensus. You know, these Democrats sit there and they whine. They go, Republicans won't work with us, and so we have to do it on our own. Well, you haven't been in the office. How are Republicans supposed to work with you if they can't have a conversation with you? Here in Maryland, David Trone, who is one of the wealthiest members of Congress out there, David Trone has not reopened, has not been in his office, I don't think, in the past two years. Hasn't been to work in two years. He doesn't bother, even his district offices, like in the, you know, they have their office in Washington, D.C., then they have the couple of offices back in their district for constituent services. Those are not open. If you need help from your congressman and you have the misfortune of having David Trone as your congressman, you're going to have to set it up over the phone. You're going to have to, maybe you'll get to meet with a human being. It's highly unlikely, but maybe you'll get to meet with a human being. Uh, you can handle it via email. They, you know, everybody knows how sincere customer service is via email. But that's how David Trone is. What is he going to do? And David Trone, of course, doesn't really care. He's running against Neil Parrott. Neil Parrott is trying to raise money and running the hell of a campaign against him. But David Trone wrote a $10 million check from his own pocket to his campaign. $10 million. He doesn't even live in the district anymore. He lives in Potomac, Maryland, which is not in the district. And he writes a $10 million check. Doesn't show up to work. Doesn't have to show up to work. There's no accountability. If he gets reelected, it will be a campaign that is 100% funded by special interest money from outside the district, which means it came directly from his wallet because he doesn't live in the district. And this is true all across the country. You know who shows up to work? Republicans show up to work. Democrats don't. Nancy Pelosi shows up to work. Which you would think somebody who's like, what, 83 years old, if you're worried about COVID, wouldn't be showing up to work? She'd be the one for the old members of Congress. If you want to really make an exception for elderly members of Congress, you go, okay, makes sense that they not show up to work because they might get COVID and die. Rachel or Rochelle, Rochelle, Rachel Walensky, whatever, the head of the CDC, they made a big stink two weeks ago that she got her new booster shot. This is the one that's going to fight against the new variant. Oh, come on. Everybody's got to get it. Get your kids up there. Line them up for this experiment. And now she's down with COVID herself. Two weeks later. It's the ultimate in, in Kabuki theater. It is a comedy show. It is a comedy show. And Ron DeSantis absolutely pummeled Charlie Crist with it. Pummeled charlie christ with it now what charlie christ of course tried to hit back he tried to hit back against ron DeSantis all day um charlie christ's main job is to try to get an ambassadorship in the last next two years of the biden administration because it's a foregone conclusion that unless something major happens or democrats really get good at mass fraud that charlie christ is going to lose so Charlie Chris has to be a bit of a suicide bomber and do as much damage as humanly possible to Ron DeSantis in the lead up to 2024. And that Chris tried to bait Ron DeSantis about 2024 last night. And Ron DeSantis had the absolute best comeback. It was brilliant. And Charlie Chris looks like, he looks like a guy, white hair, who spends a lot of, he looks like George Hamilton, if George Hamilton had white hair, if that reference means anything to you. Really tan, really leathery. Listen to this exchange. 
Ron, you talk about Joe Biden a lot. I understand. You think you're going to be running against him. I can see how you might get confused. But you're running for governor. You're running for governor. And I have a question for you. You're running for governor. Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're reelected, you will serve a full four-year term as governor. Yes or no? Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four-year term if you're reelected governor of Florida? It's not a tough question. It's a fair question. He won't tell you. We did not agree on the candidates asking each other questions. Governor, it's your turn. Well, listen, I know that Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very, very clear. The only worn-out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Chris. <laughs> oh, Leatherman gets pummeled. Down goes Frazier. So there was, like I say, there were lots of uh, really great clips. One of the things that the left has tried to... It's amazing to me that they're sticking with this. I guess you got to give them points for sticking with it. But you also have to wonder what in the hell uh, the alphabet mafia has over Democrats. That they are willing to sit there and, and just freely go, I don't care. Butcher children. I don't care. We must we must continue to, to allow you know 10-year-olds to get double mastectomies because tolerance or whatever. It's like, what the hell? At some point, there's no Democrat out there saying, this is not really cool. It doesn't sit well with me. It's not cool. No, no. And I know, listen, I get emails from people who listen to the show who say, oh, why are you talking about this? trans? There are so many more important things going on than the trans. No, there really aren't. But they all sort of tie into it. If you don't like the, if you don't have kids and you go, ah, I don't care about what kids are doing, and you're really just that get-off-my-lawn kind of guy, then think of it in these terms. Democrats are actively fighting in the culture, and winning, by the way, until maybe Election Day, on the concept of what a woman is and what a man is. They're forcing people to believe things. They're forcing people under threat of cancellation, of destruction of their livelihood, to believe things or at least openly uh, obey the concept that things that are not are. Well, you can you can believe whatever you want, but if you're a high school teacher or a high school uh, a sport co- sports coach or college or whatever, if you're in anywhere where they can just fire you willy-nilly, uh, you can say, hey, uh, you know, God teaches us that there's men and women and that's it. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. And they will put their arm around you and talk to you like, oh, yeah, this, we'll grab that stuff right there. Let's uh, let's go talk about this over lunch. And they'll walk you out to your car and, sooner, and you just go, wait a second, did I just get fired? Yeah, you did. You're fired. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to make sure that nobody hires you again. It's weird because you can get fired for sexual harassment in a lot of industries. <laughs> just just absolutely straight-up sexual harassment, you get fired for it. I know a guy who reportedly did and got fired for it. And they signed a non-disclosure agreement. And so no, no, he got, gets another job. Why? Because the company can't come out and say, well, this person is, we fired him for cause. Nobody's ever fired for cause. Like, oh, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. But if you uh, get fired because you refuse to use the different pronouns, the pronouns for, 
that, that some kid says, no, 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 these are my pronouns. This is how I identify. I identify as a, a type of, of bird uh, and as a type of rabbit. And you must refer to me depending on how you refer to me in those terms. You're like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. Um, you need to really just get a hold of yourself and deal with whatever it is that makes you feel this way. Or it's just a power trip because, you know, kids shouldn't have power in school. But this gives them power in school so they can make teachers jump through hoops and walk on eggshells and everything. Like, uh, no, I'm not going to play that game. You will be fired. You will be fired, and there will be news stories about why you were fired. Forget any contracts or non-disclosure agreements. They aren't going to bother with it. You can sexually harass somebody, and they'll go, well, the corporate in New York says we should sign this non-disclosure agreement, and we'll, uh, we'll all just kind of part as friends, all right? Just don't ever come here again. You'll be banned from the property. But we're parting as friends, and we'll release a statement saying, oh, he did a great job, and we'll miss him while he's gone. But don't ever come back here again and don't ever make eye contact with any of the women who work here or we will uh, consider that a violation of the non-disclosure agreement. But if you mispronoun somebody or you dead name somebody or you wrong gender somebody, well, it's game on. They'll call the press. The press will write it up and they'll all agree that you're a monster who needs to be destroyed. Good luck finding a job after that. That's why it matters. If you don't have kids, if you have kids, the, the reason that it matters, pretty damn obvious. But if you don't have kids, somebody arguing that reality is not reality and demanding conformity to their bastardized version of reality is pretty damn important when it comes down to it. So you can sit there and you can grouse and you can hit the stop button or change the channel or whatever. Go, I don't want to hear about why do you keep talking about this there are many more important things about this no the fight for reality is pretty much the most important fight going on out there today it really is you don't have to like kids to think that this is important you don't have to have a girl to go you know what boy out there kicking ass at girls sports is a little bit ridiculous uh no you don't so it's your choice whether or not you care about it but you should it matters. And Ron DeSantis last night put on a clinic for every Republican out there on this issue because, well, Florida passed what the media labeled don't say gay. Remember that bill? The don't say gay law. Oh, they don't want you to talk about being gay. Like, in elementary school, you shouldn't be talking about anything sex-wise. I don't want a straight teacher out there going, oh, last night me and the missus did it pretty good. Okay, uh, now get out your coloring books and uh, draw a picture of what you think that looked like. I didn't want that teacher anywhere near kids either. So what is it about being gay or bisexual or whatever that causes you to feel compelled to tell the world about it? Oh, no. Here, now that I've got you five-year-olds gathered together, won't you please validate my existence? No. We don't know what the hell you're talking about. But you're supposed to be an authority figure. So you're cool. We'll listen to you. And they, oh, you see these pathetic teachers on TikTok releasing videos going, the children, they understand that I'm gay and they understand and they embrace me. Like, no, they don't. They understand that you're the teacher. They're confused by all this stuff and they're being polite. And they're being confused. Like, what's wrong with you that you need validation through the eyes of a five-year-old? There's something fundamentally wrong with you. And if that's what you need as a human being, 
You need therapy, not a job with five-year-olds. You should not be anywhere near children. In fact, there should be a number of football fields set by law that you are not allowed to be near children by. But these leftists, they love it. Oh, my God. These children, they know to use it. They saw my rainbow flag. Really? That's all you are. They saw that I have written all over my room on signs that I asked me about being a lesbian, asked me about being a lesbian, asked me about being, and they asked me about being a lesbian. Wow. Wow. You find this worthy of crying over. Congratulations. You're transitioning. And now the seven-year-olds, they have came come out in support of you. And now some of them are saying they too are transitioning. Yeah. Can they spell transitioning? If they can't spell transitioning or they don't know what anything, I don't really think that support is sincere. And you're really, you're in need of some serious therapy if your psyche is so fragile that you're moved to tears by some kid that is instructed by their parents to take you seriously and listen to what you say and show respect that they took you seriously and showed respect, right? What are they supposed to do? How many kids... Do you stand up and say, in fifth, in uh, five-year-olds go stand up in kindergarten and go, you're not a boy, you're a girl. Stop this, you're delusional. Probably none because they don't understand the concept, really. So if you're basing your existence, the validation of your existence on that, you've got a problem. There's this, that Dylan, whatever, that Mulvaney person who got to interview the president of the United States, putting up videos, I've been a girl for 222 days. Oh, here's how it is. And Ulta Beauty goes, yes, you're the ultimate woman and we'll pay you a bunch of money to be our spokesmodel. Sorry, real women, screw you. And that person, they they really, this dude is transitioning for just over 200 days so far and has become famous by posting videos of him running around in skirts and dancing in the woods. And it's like, it's a minstrel show. It's pathetic. If, like, if you're a family member doing this sort of thing, you'd feel bad for them. Try to get them institutionalized while keeping them away from your children. This person eventually will, they're basking in the glory of the attention. But that glory will fade. All glory does. And people who really, really bask in it this way, who are already mentally unstable, as Dylan is, You want to talk about people? I hope Dylan, I hope he's got family that cares. I hope he's got some sort of support system that isn't based on the celebrity because the celebrity probably within a year will go away. And then what you're going to be left with is the desperate, empty shell of a person who did what he's done to get attention, who now no longer can get that attention. You want to talk about a danger to yourself. That's the time you need a support system. So uh, I can't wait for this person to go away, but I hope that this person has um, a support system in place to help him when reality does smack him. And speaking of reality smacking him, DeSantis try, uh, uh, Charlie Chris did try to go after DeSantis on the idea of the don't say gay bill. It's weird. They're making it illegal in Florida to say gay, and since and no Democrat has ever shut up about gay. Like, I don't really think that's that means you can't say gay. Just like these idiots who go, they're fascist. Donald Trump is a fascist. 
he's a monster totalitarian. Like, well, why are you then free to sit here and whine like a little girl with a skinned knee about it? Because if he really were one of those things, any of those things, you wouldn't be. Just the other day in China, as Xi Jinping was, quote unquote, elected to another term as president, an unprecedented third term, the guy sitting next to him was an elderly Chinese. Well, they're all in the Chinese government, all Chinese. The guy was hauled off right in front of everybody, right in the Chinese parliament. Some guy came up and literally had to pick him up. And come on, and he turns to Xi Jinping. He's literally sitting in his left hand and says, what, dude, what's going on? And nope, that was it. Xi Jinping didn't even look over there. He tried to grab a piece of paper. Xi Jinping stopped him from grabbing a piece of paper, but he sat there as calm as day, like he was just waiting for the next for his name to be called the dentist office as this guy was hauled out of the Chinese parliament. It's probably dog food by now. It's a power play. You want to talk about, and what did that guy do? Nobody knows what that guy did. He didn't do anything publicly. He might have had an impure thought and somebody read it on his face. Or as they do in totalitarian regimes, when somebody might be leaning towards having an impure thought, they preemptively purge them. But standing in your college campus screaming about how Republicans are fascists and they're going to kill us and never being arrested for it. There's, you know, when your side is sending the FBI out to uh, pro-life people's houses, pastors' houses, because they sat down and sang hymns uh, in an abortion clinic and arresting them and having them face 13 years in prison. And you don't really get to cry about fascism unless you're decrying your own side's fascism. Anyway, back to this trans issue. Ron DeSantis was attacked by Chris Christie, or not Chris Christie, Charlie Crist. That's the fine line, but one's like, size-wise, they're photo negatives. They're Oliver, uh, uh, what is it, Oliver Hardy and, God, I can't remember the names. Anyway, Ron DeSantis talks about this crap in schools and in sports, and he did a beautiful job of it. Republicans who can't message on this thing should listen to this. You know, I would say when you oppose the parents' rights and education bill, which prevents six, seven, eight-year-olds from having sexuality, gender ideology injected in their curriculum, you are the one that's waging the culture war. I'm simply defending parents and students because it's inappropriate to have that in elementary school. It's inappropriate to tell a a six-year-old that they were born in the wrong body. It's inappropriate to tell an eight-year-old that they may have been born a girl, but maybe they're really a boy. That's wrong. We need to do the basics. We need to teach them to read, write, add, and subtract. Uh, And if we do that, we'll continue to lead in fourth grade reading and fourth grade math like we did in today's NAEP results, which is a great testament to having open schools and a lot of hardworking folks in our school system. I also signed, I'm the the father of a five-year-old daughter and a two-year-old daughter as well as a four-year-old son, but my daughters are very athletic and we signed legislation to protect the right of women athletes, that you should not have someone competing on the men's team for three years and then switch to the women's team. Charlie Crist opposed that bill. He said he would have vetoed it. I'm going to protect women's sports in the state of Florida. Amen, brother. Well done. Don't say gay. Don't say gay. How about you just talk about the issues of matter? How about you talk about reality? Don't say gay is about bastardizing reality. By the way, it's Laurel and Hardy. Chris Christie and Charlie Crist would be great Laurel and Hardy. There, I saved you an email. But this is the world that we live in. That's why it's important. It's not about your kids if you don't have any kids or you don't care about your kids. 
It's about reality, because once they start you getting people to obey with an obvious perversion of reality, they can get people to obey in all sorts of other ways. That's where the real danger lies. Ron DeSantis, you know, all this trans issue, he's got, like I said, what he says in these clips is absolutely the way Republicans should do it. If you notice, you can choose your own verbiage. It doesn't matter the words. The attitude that he uses is what is far too often missing from Republican discussions and Republican debates. It is, yeah, that's my opinion. You're damn right that's my opinion. And so what? That's my And this is why, and I'm backing it up with this. That It is unapologetic. For far too long, in pre-Trump world, Republicans all kind of apologize, like a beat dog, you know, like, oh, geez, oh, shucks. I'm sorry. Here's my here's what I think. But don't be mad at me for saying what I think. And it's a problem. It's a real problem. So now you have somebody out. Donald Trump showed the way. You don't have to apologize to these people. Who the hell these people think? They're no better than you. Stop cowering in the face of these people. And DeSantis is doing that. Well, Carrie Lake is doing that out in Arizona, running for governor. It is the way of the future. It would be nice if people out there, especially you'll hear lefties going, this Joe Biden, this is not your father's Republican Party. They're such meanie bumbalinis, I don't even know what to tell you. Like, spare me that crap, okay? You guys changed the rules. You guys changed the attitude. You guys changed the whole shebang, okay? So you don't like it, tough. But you're going to get it. Just that Republicans are better than you at it. And Republicans have facts on their side and Democrats don't is is irrelevant. But uh, the issue of one more thing on the issue of trans law, just well, two more things. I want to play these clips because they're they're brilliant when you talk about these things. This is what you should how you should say it. Ron DeSantis talks about and it's a really short clip pointing out, hey, you know, kids can't get tattoos. Why would you let them get double mastectomies? Why would you? There isn't going to be a Democrat who has an answer to that. There isn't a Democrat who's going. There is no answer to that. So the question that Democrats can't answer has to be asked time and time again. It should be asked repeatedly. Listen to Ron DeSantis make it about the tattoos and the mastectomies. You're a 15 year old. You can't go get a tattoo in the state of Florida, yet we're saying you could get a double mastectomy. Of course not. It is inappropriate to do this for minors, and in Florida, uh, we are not going to allow that to happen. Amen. Now, there's no Democrats. Well, you know what? Tattoos are different. Yeah, tattoos you can actually have removed. You can't put body parts back on there. Or, you know, tattoos you can cover up. Once you have a body part taken off of you for vanity's sake or for whatever reason, for confusion's sake, you're you're done. You're, you're not getting it back on there. It's not like you're working out in a garage and, oh, you cut the tip of your finger off and they were able to reattach it. They don't save these parts on ice for just in case, you know, in a couple of months when you go, what the hell have I done, that they can reverse it. That's not the way the world works. He then goes on to talk about gender dysphoria and mutilation and how a lot of people, this phase, oh, did you say, yes, I did say phase, this phase passes. And so maybe allowing children to make life-altering decisions on what could likely be and would likely be a phase, especially brought on by 
pernicious, persuasive adults with a political agenda and a culture that doesn't give a damn that you exist, but is trying to score political points with a new wedge issue, that maybe maybe that wouldn't be the best way to go. And maybe you just kind of want to, uh, I don't know, wait this one out. Think this through. Let kids become adults, at which point it's game on. A lot of kids go through a lot of different things. Uh, a lot of the dysphoria resolves itself by the time they become adults. And we have a number of people that have spoken out in favor of what we're doing to say you should not mutilate minors. And they went through this when they were minors. Now they're adults and they regret it. And other countries in Europe that went down this road have now backtracked. And so we're doing the right thing. It's inappropriate to be doing basically what's genital mutilation. It's true. It's genital mutilation. Now, it's weird because, you know, when it happens in the Arab world, the left was right there quick to condemn it. They don't condemn it anymore. They kind of have stopped condemning it. But they used to condemn it. They used to condemn oh, genital mutilation of girls. And if it happens in this country, people condemn it. Oh, it's horrible what they're doing to these girls. It's unconscionable. And now they're doing it in operating rooms. And they're doing it for a different religion, the progressive religion. And they're saying, yeah, you know what, though? It makes a good point. Who are we? What kind of monster would we be if we denied this 12-year-old girl the right to have a hysterectomy because she says she feels like a man? So let's do it. <laughs> it's, un it's evil. It really, honestly, truly is a special kind of evil, and there's a special place in hell for all of these people, for all of them. Well, that was the debate down in Florida in a nutshell. It was a clinic, in my opinion, on how to destroy an opponent without, you know, getting upset and screaming or yelling or anything like that. Charlie Crist had no comeback to any of this. That was the beauty of the whole thing. When you ask questions that Democrats have no answers to, they just sit there and they smile, just like Fetterman in the debate of uh, the Democratic primary. He had no answer to his, well, you're really soft on crime. You want to let murderers out of prison. There's no answer to that. He didn't try to answer that. He just sat there and looked straight ahead. Those are the questions that need to be asked repeatedly. Because whenever they do ultimately open their mouth, it is going to be something that is, well, it's indefensible. It'll be something that is stupid. It'll be something where you're just like, wow, that's, that's the best you came up with. That's the best you've got. And all these Democrats who are refusing to debate are doing themselves a massive, massive disservice and doing Republicans a great service. Out in Arizona, like I said, Carrie Lake, I can see why Katie Hobbs, the Democrat, is afraid to debate Carrie Lake. I'd be afraid to debate Carrie Lake, too. She knows her stuff, and more importantly, she is really good at delivering those lines, her thoughts. She formulates her thoughts on the fly. You don't get any sense that it has been rehearsed. And when she does it, damn, it comes down with a death blow. It's a massive finishing move. Katie Hobbs, on the other hand is like a, I don't know, a low self-esteem teenager with vocal fry. You remember Christine Blase Ford? 
when she's, I was so scared that I had to have a second door put on my house. All the lies that she was speaking. Brett Kavanaugh, it was a, we were really good friends. Really, nobody can ever place you two together. Oh, that wrong? I knew him well. He tried to rape me. No, you got anybody, even your best friend says you didn't didn't know the guy. It doesn't matter. Remember that voice? That is Katie Hobbs. How the hell? What was she running against? Here's a smelly shoe. And here's a pile of dog excrement. And then here's Katie Hobbs. Pick your poison, Democrats. If I'm a Democrat, I'd have to take a serious look at the shoe and go like, well, the the, the dog excrement, probably not. Probably not. But uh, I'll keep that on the back burner for now. But it comes down to between Katie Hobbs and a smelly shoe. While Katie Hobbs is a human being, the smelly shoe doesn't sound like a 12-year-old girl with self-esteem issues. She doesn't sound like an idiot who can't for who doesn't believe in anything. Now, what do I mean doesn't believe in anything? Well, Katie Hobbs was asked yesterday, you know, the CDC has added, voted to add the COVID vaccine to the protocols the, of uh, vaccines for schools. They recommend that, you know, because you got to get shot for the, the measles, the mumps, the, uh, uh, what do you call it, polio, all the vaccines that you have to have in order to be allowed to enroll in school, right? Well, they've said unanimously, it's amazing, no matter how much data these people just keep plowing ahead. I wonder, you got to know how much Pfizer and, and stock that these people have. They just have to have an ungodly amount of it. They voted to add it to the uh, requirements to attend public school. Now, it's up to the states. The CDC makes a recommendation, but that does not make it the law of the land across the country. The states get to decide, the states meaning the governor. Well, Katie Hobbs is running to be governor. You would think that somebody running to be governor would, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, be up on what's going on in the world and would be aware of the powers that the office for which they are running can wield, you know, those sorts of things. But no, Katie Hobbs was asked about this and whether or not she would support adding it to the requirements to attend school in Arizona, which would be the power of the governor. And she has no idea of the concept. She had no idea that it goes on. She barely says anything in this clip, but what she does, it sounds like she's not for sure. She doesn't know. It is, it leaves you wondering why in the hell anybody, how, what was she up against in the primary for Democrats? Listen to it for yourself. Would you allow the COVID vaccine to go on the vaccine schedule for children to attend school? Uh, is that... I, I, is, Sorry, so the CDC oh. is um, sort of moving toward adding the, the COVID vaccine to the recommendation for um, you know school vaccines. It's up to the states to actually decide what's on that list for in their state. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, would your Department of Health Services put the COVID vaccine on the list of required vaccines for, for children in school? Uh, that is not something I have contemplated so yeah <laughs> that is not something i have contemplated so so you have no opinion you, you, you don't have an you still don't have an opinion okay now it's been explained to you, you still don't have an opinion you're blissfully unaware of the concept of this thing where are you on requiring vaccines for kids that'd be the simple way to do it the simple way to answer but no 
I I don't know what I uh, who are you and why are you asking me questions and why am I standing outside this grocery store what's going on what was she up against what was she was it, was it a flaming bag of dog excrement because if, if it was a flaming bag of dog excrement I probably would have voted for that Want to shift gears to Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton Jr. the third? You want to talk about somebody blissfully now? This in her defense, and I don't like to give her anything in her defense, but in her defense, this looks like a hostage video. This group might have something embarrassing on the Clintons. It's not that difficult to find something embarrassing on the Clintons. It is a group called Indivisible indivisible who they're uh, they're out there fighting for uh voter integrity they're fighting for all the things that democrats always claim that they are uh, against but actually engage in it's it's a joke their website says action by action day by day group by group indivisibles are re are remaking our democracy what do you mean remaking your democracy doesn't need to be remade democracy the, women it's suddenly being remade by Democrats. You, you tell me that you don't know what a woman is, and now you're going to tell me that you're the arbiter of what is and isn't democracy? I'm going to pass on it. It's going to be a hard pass on that one. Brought together by practical by a practical guide to resist the Trump agenda, Indivisible is a movement of thousands of group leaders and more than a million members taking regular iterative and increasingly complex actions to resist the GOP's agenda, elect local champions and fight for progressive policy. What are you resisting right now? Because Democrats control everything. I love these people. Resist. Hashtag resist. Resist what? Resist what? What are you resisting? But, you know, the revolution never ends. You can't ever end the revolution because then people will go and start expecting some kind of result or something like that, you know? That's the thing about the left and their revolutions. Revolutions forever. Revolution. The Cuban revolution never ended because they had to kill anybody. If they ended it, what if they had to kill somebody? The Soviet revolution never ended. Why? Because what if they had to kill somebody? Can't just, well, we're declaring the revolution starting again, and then we'll uh, declare the revolution over again. No, no, no. They need that power. They need that frenzy because in case you're much – look, if the revolution is ongoing and then somebody is impure to the revolution, getting them killed, throwing them off to the gulag, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. No big shake. What's the problem? What are you complaining about? They were against the revolution. They were fighting against the revolution that never, ever ended. It's a sickness, it's a perversion, but it's who Democrats are. And somehow this group, I assume, it, since it started in 2016, that this is where a whole bunch of refugees from Hillary Clinton's campaign, her failed campaign, ended up going. And that could be part of the reason why they are able to get Hillary Clinton to do a fundraising video for them that looks like a hostage video in it. She declares that the Democrat... Now, this, this is artful. I mean, you really want to make Goebbels proud. You really want to... If Goebbels had lived in the era of social media and the digital age, and you want to study some A1-class prop, chef's kiss propaganda, like, mwah, beautiful thing. Do you listen to this video? 
of Hillary Clinton sitting there. You don't watch the video because it's Hillary Clinton sitting there and she, somebody should have probably touched up her makeup and done her hair or something. It's, it looks like she just rolled out of bed uh, after a night of the night terrors and uh, recorded this. That being said, she uh, declares that the GOP, the biggest threat to democracy out there, are planning on stealing the 2024 election. Preemptive. Preemptive defense against election stealing. You really got it. She's for preemptive war, or she was against preemptive, but she was for preemptive war. And uh, now she is for preemptive civil war, preemptive action, or whatever, however you want to put it. Listen to her declare all of these things, which, by the way, Democrats do with regularity and Democrats do with impunity. To try and, you know, because if you say, if you deny any election results, you're an election denier and a monster. She's preemptively denying election results. She's preemptively denying election results. What is this called? Democrats don't have a word for it because it's one of them doing it. Hello, Indivisibles. I'm here to highlight something that (laughs) is keeping me up at night. And I know this group really understands what I'm about to say. I know we're all focused on the 2022 midterm elections, and they are incredibly important. But we also have to look ahead, because you know what? Our opponents certainly are. Right-wing extremists already have a plan to literally steal the next presidential election. And they're not making a secret of it. The right-wing-controlled Supreme Court may be poised to rule on giving state legislatures, yes, you heard me that correctly, state legislatures the power to overturn presidential elections. Just think, if that happens, the 2024 presidential election could be decided not by the popular vote or even by the anachronistic electoral college, but by state legislatures many of them Republican-controlled. But there's also good news in the face of this very real threat to democracy. Indivisible has launched Crush the Coup to make sure we're ready to defend democracy in 2024. They've put together a list of critical races in six key states and how you can get involved. Will you support Crush the Coup by donating to indivisible and state legislature candidates. Each of these races is highly competitive and your dollars could very well decide the winners and the winner of the next presidential election. This could not be more important or more urgent. (laughs) They're going to steal it. They're going to steal. They're going to destroy democracy. And we must go out there and destroy democracy first. And the only way to save democracy is to destroy it before your opponents destroy it. Don't you understand how democracy works? Apparently, I don't. Apparently, I don't. Oh, no. They're doing that. the uh, ancient anachronistic electoral college. She hates the electoral college. She hates our system of government. But give money to these left-wingers. And they will go out and resist and help fight against Republicans. They'll elect Republicans. They're not really doing anything. 
They have nothing special except they're a scam pack. They raise money. They spend it on various races. They're no different than the fundraising emails you get right there, except they get Hillary Clinton. They get Hillary Clinton out there. We're fighting for democracy. How? How? If you notice, for the people who say, don't talk about the trans issue, the very same people who are telling you what a woman is and what a woman isn't, are telling you what democracy is and what democracy isn't. And they're uh, deliberately doing the exact same thing to the word democracy that they are doing to the word woman. You should care about all of it. You should have the bandwidth to care about all of it, but you definitely, at least at a bare minimum, need to be aware of it because your knowledge of what liberals are doing has no bearing on whether or not liberals are doing it. They keep on chugging along. They keep trucking along. They release these videos. They're planning for the... This is what I mean when they talk about planning for the long term. They're already planning to discredit the 2024 election should they lose. The architect of the Russia hoax just told you so. Literally, it's on video. Not kidding. I'm looking at my Twitter feed and I see this New York Post story. My body is too dangerous for social media. I'm naturally perfect. And there's this blonde chick in uh, underwear. In the, like, clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. Yeah, uh, same, same problem for me. It's the same problem for me. But you talk about a slow news day. You talk about an absolutely slow... There's plenty to report. On a day like this, when they're reporting on things like, this chick is too hot, she says, for social media. Like, yeah, no, she's just wildly arrogant. But whatever, she's good looking. She can say that and it'll be clickbait for you. That just tells me that there's nothing else going on. Just like this Boston Globe story. Boston, the headline. Senator Ted Cruz is heckled at The View and booed at Yankees game during New York visit. Huh? Why is that? Why is that in the Boston Globe? Who cares? The Texas Republican was interrupted multiple times by audience members during a live interview on ABC's The View Monday, one day after he was booed while attending a Yankees-Astro game. So what? A bunch of jackasses in the audience of the breaking news. Stop all the presses. The audience that goes to The View are a bunch of uncouth, ill-cultured, ill-behaved louts. All right? Shocking, but they reflect the show itself. It's really a... It should be an embarrassment to Whoopi and the gang. They're like, oh, God, we, uh, we really created a whole bunch of monsters. What kind of people are we? What have we done? That should be the thought process. Instead, it's like, well, they don't like Ted Cruz in New York. Well, it's a pretty damn good thing that Ted Cruz doesn't live in New York. Problem solved. Box checked. But nope. These people, these are the people who will tell you that a man is a woman. Look, look at that giant bulge on that woman's pants. Huh. Yeah, look at that woman using the urinal. You know, she can get pregnant just like anybody else. And of course, men can get pregnant too. Men, in fact, do get pregnant all the time. No, they don't. None of everything that they talk about is a lie. And they need to be called out for it. Because they're not doing it because they have some sort of Joe Biden's lighter version of dementia. They're doing it as a, an instrument of control. 
That's what the point is. They want if they get people to obey, then they win. Because if you can get people to say, you know, a, a person look right at a woman and go, is that a man or a woman? How many lights are there? There are four lights. How many? Is that a man or a woman? That's a a woman. No, no, no. What is that? It's a man. It's a woman. What is it? It's whatever I tell you it is. It's whatever you tell me it is. And I and whatever they tell me it is, and I will refer to I will obey, I will obey. Please stop yelling, I will obey. Well, if you can get people to obey you on the basics of biology for fear of being destroyed, once you broach that subject, once you break that dam of this is how things are and you will just simply obey, then where would it end? It won't end. It'll never end anywhere good. Then you end up, you know, it'll end up in gas chambers and ovens. That's where it'll ultimately end. Just a sickness. That's why they have to be resisted everywhere they are. Exposed. Everything they do. My God. You know, it's funny. I haven't watched a late night supposed comedy show in hell. I don't even know. I don't even know when the last time I've even caught a clip. It wasn't even like, oh, somebody I like is going to be. It had to have been that, but it had to be 10 or 15 years ago. Or somebody I like is going to be on this show. I'll check it out. Uh, But no, I don't bother with any of it ever anymore. Last night. In what had to be a desperate attempt to destroy whatever crummy ratings he still has left, Stephen Colbert had on Pete Buttigieg. Pete, who's like, oh man, can we maybe ever dream one day of getting the Secretary of Transportation on our show? Because nothing screams comedy gold like the Secretary of Transportation. Am I right? Am I right? Of course I'm right. The Secretary of Transportation. My God, man. If we could get him, it'll be wonderful. And in it, he didn't even talk about transportation, the infrastructure, the the, uh, supply chain that he completely screwed up. None of that managed to come up with Stephen Colbert, if you can believe that. I know, shocking revelation there. Instead, Pete Buttigieg tried to sell the American public on the Inflation Reduction Act. Talking about inflation, he said, no Republicans, not a single Republican voted for the Inflation Reduction Act. Can you believe? They say, they, what was the Republican plan for inflation, to fight inflation? They didn't have one. They're out there fighting, and they didn't even vote for the Inflation Reduction Act. And you sit there and you go, uh, dude... Democrats have even admitted that the Inflation Reduction Act had nothing to do with inflation, right? It had nothing to do with inflation. It was about paying off Democrat donors. It was about the Green New Deal. Where do you live? Where does this... What kind of a world do you live in where the guy responsible for the supply chain can go on a late night show and have a good laugh with the host and never face a question about, oh, I don't know, the baby formula shortage that he's responsible for. Think about that. The Secretary of of Transportation who gets to sit around and laugh and just have a good old time with Stephen Colbert wasn't asked. You can't find baby formula. You you can find as much baby formula as you could genuine laughs in the segment between Buttigieg and Stephen Colbert, which is none. Zero. Zip. Nada. It's unbelievable. 
Unbelievable. Like, comedy is supposed to try to be funny, isn't it? At some point, it's supposed to try to be funny. Yet what we find funny or what is funny is unintentionally funny. I want to play you this clip. Lastly, CNN's new morning show is coming up, and they're building it as like it's just a group of friends getting together, talking, and there's Don Lemon and Pippi Longstocking, or what is her, what is her name? It's uh, Caitlin Collins and then Piper Pepper something or other. Poppy Harlow is her name. That's going to be starting very soon. So they're starting to run promos for it. This was their first promo. Just a, just sitting around having fun. A morning show is like when people walk into a diner. You come in and you get whatever amount of news that you can and you start your day. People's time is so valuable yeah. that yeah. if they have 15 minutes to watch the news, that's a lot of time. I knew he was a real friend when you flew to Slovenia for our wedding. And all my friends were like, oh, my God, that's Don Lemon. And I was like, I work at CNN, too. (laughs) It's all about the conversation. We're the place for accuracy and we're the place for context. We're the place for accuracy and we're the place for context. God help anybody and everybody if you're the place for accuracy. But don't you look, people's time is so valuable that if they get 15 minutes, then you're totally cool. All right? You're totally cool. (laughs) You know, you get a lot more than 15 minutes if you don't suck. I'm just saying. If you actually put together a good product. But then if any of you involved in this were capable of putting together a good product, none of you would be on at 6 in the morning. Good luck to you, CNN. What if we rearrange the deck tiers on the Titanic as the ship sinks? Oh, it'll be ratings gold. That's all the time we have for today. Tomorrow we'll get into the Pennsylvania debate. So check that out. I appreciate you listening. Have an awesome day. See you tomorrow.